With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. We're going to be talking Alabama-Tennessee football in this edition of the Talking Tide podcast with you. Quick reminders here, our Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. You can get links to the podcast there as soon as we get them dropped. You can catch Talking Tide at megaphone.com. Also, any app where you get podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, live streaming, video replays. We're doing it all here on Talking Tide. Want to thank a couple of sponsors quickly. Certainly, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. More on them a little bit later on in the program. Travis, we uh, kick off this edition of Talking Tide kind of previewing a game that certainly a lot of certainly Las Vegas expects Alabama to win by a wide margin more on that a little bit later in the program uh, but where do you fall Travis we'll we'll just go ahead and get this out of the way where do you fall on that kind of pseudo water cooler argument of whether or not this is still a rivalry between Alabama and Tennessee given this lengthy streak that the Crimson Tide is on? Yeah, I think from a historical perspective, it certainly qualifies as a rivalry. I think it has reached the point, though, with Alabama winning 14 straight chase, that it's largely about history, nostalgia. You know, you have to kind of dig, go beneath the surface when you consider so many of these players in Saturday's game, they really can't recall even the ones that do have at least somewhat of an understanding of the series, the last time Tennessee won a game in this series. So I think for the older folks, the, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the Alabama fans in state, certainly Tennessee people, uh, I think it was once more national. I think it has devolved to the point because of Alabama's dominance of being pretty regional even from a standpoint of just within a couple of three states at this point, desperately needs Tennessee to win a game to have a chance to get back to what it once was. It was all, it's always been a, a series of streaks, right? But this one is borderline ridiculous. Very streaky series. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I can recall some streaks on both sides. Certainly, of course, you had Alabama running the streak, uh, I believe in 1992, which was a game I, I attended in Neyland Stadium, Alabama ran the streak to seven in a row in that national championship season against the Vols. Uh, I, I can remember some sevens being raised in the air on these big signs uh, by Alabama fans on their way out of Neyland Stadium and some pretty sour looks coming from the home crowd. Then it turns and – lean years for Alabama in the series, certainly through kind of the Manning T Martin era where Alabama just 
plane did not match up talent wise for a lot of that stretch. I think Tennessee's run on Alabama was pretty similar in length at that point. And then, of course, now you've got one, like you said, that's kind of gotten out of control at 14 in a, in, in a row, uh, maybe, maybe twice the length of streak that we're used to in this series. I will say this, though, as a, as a longtime college football observer, and you as well, particularly of this series, it'll always be a rivalry, in my opinion, because I know that no matter how long any streak gets for either team, the pendulum will swing. It's not an if, it's a win. Uh, and uh, Tennessee fans have been waiting a long time, but one day it, it will swing again. It will. It will. I just think uh, right now it's it's impossible to forecast when exactly it's going to end. As long as Nick Saban's got this thing going at Alabama, I think there's been some positives under Josh Heupel in his first season, especially when you consider the mass exodus in terms of the roster and not so much even just in terms of quantity of players, but the quality of players that left the program. So uh, I give Heupel some credit. You know, they've had a stretch here of late, especially running the football where the balls have been very effective on the offensive side of the ball. They've held up defensively better than I probably would anticipate, especially when you consider both their inside linebackers left after last season, including Henry Toa Toa, of course, to Alabama. So I think the biggest problem from a roster perspective for Tennessee right now is the injuries seem to be really taking a toll, especially coming off last Saturday night. When you look at quarterback, you look at right tackle, and you continue to look at the running back position. Yeah, Tyon Evans, the running back, he's kind of been dinged up all year uh, and yet continues to lead the team in rushing, talented player, uh, quarterback Hendon Hooker, last we heard from Josh Heupel, I believe, still questionable to play in this game, and uh, certainly it's it's been a it's been a banged up group for Tennessee. Hooker's the key, though. This guy's had a heck of a season when he's been healthy for Tennessee. Uh, I believe his his TD to INT ratio coming in is of the fourteen and one to one variety. So uh, a big kid, a kid that can run, a talented kid. A guy who, who frankly, style-wise, is the kind of quarterback that's posed trouble for Alabama's defense in the past. So, definitely some injury injuries to watch for on on the Tennessee side of things. But first and foremost, at that quarterback spot. Yeah, Hooker. When you just look at SEC play, he has completed sixty-eight percent of his passes and averaged nine point nine yards attempt. So, right around ten yards per attempt. Throwing the football, nine touchdowns in SEC play, no interceptions in SEC play to date. He's also rushed for 277 yards in conference games, three touchdowns on the ground. Absolutely. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Kellen Mond in a system that would have better fit Kellen Mond right. in college. You know what I mean? When you look yeah. at his skill sets, just kind of watching him do his thing, I guess you could say some Josh Dobbs too. But I see Kellen Mond, if Kellen Mond had played in more of a zone read uh, that was heavy on him running the football and, and gave him some quick reads, some half-field reads, things like that, that's what I see in uh, Hendon Hooker. 
Quick reset for you on this Alabama-Tennessee week. The Vols come into the game 4-3 and three overall, 2-2 two and two in SEC play. Alabama hosting the game, enters 6-1 and one and 3-1 and one in SEC play. It'll kick off 6 p.m. Central Time Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium in your TV network, ESPN. Travis, on the defensive side of the ball, thoughts on the Vols there. Jeremy Banks has had a fine year at the linebacker spot. Uh, Jalen McCalla, Trevin Flowers. It's pretty talented defensive backs for Tennessee as well. I think the secondary for me stands out talent-wise a little bit more than the than the front does. I like the safeties. I like McCullough uh, for sure. Really good player. Uh, I agree. I, I think the linebacker level and the secondary has been pretty good, especially the inside linebackers, uh, as you mentioned there, with Banks having a big year to this point. I think he's second in the SEC in tackles for a loss right now to – Will Anderson. So, you know, you look at the two inside linebackers that Tennessee lost uh, with Crouch and Toa Toa. I believe they had a combined 12 tackles for loss in 10 games last year. Well, these two guys, when you talk about Banks uh, and also uh, names slipping me here, Beasley, Aaron Beasley, the other inside linebacker, they've already got 13 combined tackles for loss in seven games. So statistically speaking, Really hasn't been any drop off in terms of negative play production with those two guys in there. No, absolutely. Uh, Tennessee's defense uh, needs needs to stay healthy, certainly, and and I I, th- I think they've played fairly well overall. You want to see, if you're a Tennessee fan, what you're looking for from Josh Heupel as quickly as possible is is a win that you call a signature win, right? Uh, a a a relatively big upset doesn't have to be in Alabama, uh, but but go but go knock off, um, you know, a, a ten point favorite, maybe a fourteen point favorite. Uh, if if you're Tennessee, uh, going to be exciting to see how it plays out for sure. Uh, Cade Mays, the right tackle for the Vols, also one to watch. He's been a little bit banged up too, Travis. He's one of the best, when healthy, one of the best, most talented offensive linemen in the country. Yeah, he's Tennessee's best offensive lineman. I don't think there's uh, any doubt about that. And if he can't go Saturday night, that's really problematic because you're talking about backfilling with a former preferred walk-on who's done some nice things in his own right, Dane Davis. But uh, Mays, is he's legit you know, at that right tackle position. Tackles are okay if you've got Cade Mays on the field. Um, but they've had injuries otherwise, too, and so that's been tough. They've managed to continue to run the ball at a pretty good rate. Now, some of that was against Missouri, one of the very best, worst, excuse me, rush defenses in all of college football this season. So you have to temper that a little bit, but he is as much a guy to keep an eye on as we get closer to game time, in my opinion, than even Evans or Hooker because when he left the game, he left the Ole Miss game, I think, the first series last Saturday night. Ole Miss went on to post five sacks and just a boatload of tackles for a loss. So, uh, you know, they need K. May, Kate Mays in that lineup, no doubt. The word turnstile comes to mind after, <laughs> after Kate Mays got out of there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, defensively for Alabama in this game, Travis looks like Drew Sanders will most likely sit again. Nick Saban commenting on Sanders called him highly doubtful in his Wednesday evening press conference previewing this game. So I guess 
more Dallas Turner is what Alabama fans can can most likely expect at that position. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Although, you know, they could go heavier on early downs like they've done in the past, play another defensive end opposite Will Anderson and then go with a couple of guys inside in that nickel package because it will be a nickel package game with Tennessee uh, basing out of 11 personnel. So it will be interesting to see exactly how Alabama goes about that entirely different style from Tennessee than what you saw last Saturday night from Mississippi State. As we talked about, Mississippi State wanted to play the game in space, get it out quick, try to get some one-on-ones and some after the catch, after the contact. Uh, Tennessee wants to play more within the hash marks between the numbers, and that's in the passing game as well. So you're going to have to be stout against the run on early downs. Uh, Turner, Braswell, whoever Alabama runs out there opposite Will Anderson, are going to have to set some edges. That wasn't really part of the to-do list against Mississippi State last week. No, it wasn't. Offensively for Alabama, it's a smoother running machine on that side of the ball for Alabama right now than the defense, Travis. Seems like most of the question marks have been certainly on the defensive side. Bryce Young continues to impress, had an outstanding game against Mississippi State. Roy Dell Williams has kind of slid into uh, a little bit of a platoon role or at least a backup role is probably a more accurate way to say it behind Brian Robinson. Uh, of course, in the absence of Jace McClellan, who's who's suffered an injury and is out. Uh, wide receivers playing well. Uh, Cameron Latou playing well. I, the tight end position, particularly with Billingsley, uh, seems to come and go a little bit in terms of, of involvement in the passing game, but the team's moving the ball regardless, running it, throwing it. It's it's a smooth operation right now for Alabama offensively. Yeah, the tight ends the last two games, one catch for 10 yards. So that's been a little bit of an issue, but then you have Trayshawn Holden go three for 70 off the bench at the wide receiver position last Saturday night against Mississippi State. So that helps when you have a guy step forward like that. Also, Brian Robinson has upped his output as a receiver the last couple of games. Had 60 receiving yards, um, you know, in 68, 60 and 68 the last two games. So he's starting to put together some of those games from a scrimmage yards perspective, somewhat reminiscent of Najee Harris. Even if he doesn't go for 100 on the ground like he didn't last Saturday night, He throws 60, 65 receiving yards in there, including an explosive play of 51 yards, and you end up feeling good about his night. So they've been able to cover in some different ways, uh, but certainly Bryce Young's been very good. And I thought last week was big because once the book gets out on you that maybe blitzing and pressure can be troublesome to you, you're going to keep seeing it. And they saw a lot of it really throughout the game against Mississippi State, and they absolutely hammered it. I think all four of Bryce's touchdown passes last week came against the Blitz. Yeah, if if you're Josh Heupel's defensive staff, you do not let Mississippi State's defensive effort deter you from from coming after mm-hmm. Bryce Young. I mean, look, uh, there, there are no examples of defenses laying back and doing well against this offense. There's one example – of bringing it and, and having some success. And just because Alabama figured out the blitz against Mississippi State does not mean that Tennessee and, and beyond Tennessee 
LSU, Auburn, et cetera, they're all coming. I, I, Travis, I, I think after what Texas A&M did, Alabama can can expect uh, maybe not a, a, a ton of blitzing from, from everybody they see, but certainly a heavy dose of it. And Jeremy Banks and Aaron Beasley were pretty effective even in their most recent outing. I think Banks – had a sack against Ole Miss. Both those guys had sacks against Matt Corral last Saturday night. So if you were effective against a guy like that in an offense like that, um, you're probably going to bring it against Alabama. Banks is a good pass rusher, good blitzer. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't think it's something you just totally go away from in going against Alabama. But I think there's also that scenario where Alabama's comfort level reaches a point where – as we've talked about before, sort of the analogy teams in basketball, there's some that you can press and they just go fetal. There's some teams you press and they go, Oh, this is a bucket. You know, they look to attack it. So Alabama may be making that transition from one to the other here in the last couple of games. Updates for you on the ticket man and the Vegas man as Alabama approaches the Tennessee game, starting with the ticket man, Travis, uh, actually, Sold a pair myself, or my Ah. wife did, I should say. Uh, The bottom end on this game, the upper deck seats, which, of course, is the ones uh, my wife occupies with her pair, going for $75 to $90, kind of in that range. If you want to check out this game in person uh, for the least investment possible, the lower bowl, 50-yarders, the, the most expensive seats, and again, this is on StubHub. I checked it shortly before we launched the podcast here. People are asking 600 or more, 700 I even saw, 750 uh, for the best seats in the house. I just don't see people paying that. When I, when I see those kinds of prices posted, Travis, I always question, well, just because they're posted doesn't mean they're selling. Just like Pops used to tell those folks, those same <laughs> folks, I'll be back in about 30 minutes and get them for free. <laughs> yeah. Tell the ticket man. And the ticket man would mutter obscenities in his yeah. direction. No, I, that's, that's, to me, that's crazy. Um, you know, our seats are going to be used uh, by family this week. So I didn't get into the ring with the ticket man or uh, look at that that much. But that sounds about right. And so, again, so much of it is also based upon the traveling fan base. And I don't think Tennessee fans, even with some of the success here of late, are to the point, given the injuries on top of everything else uh, with Hooker and others, that they're like, oh, yeah, let's get on. You know, let's head down 59 and go watch uh, Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've seen Alabama LSU games where both teams were in the top 10 and vying for an SEC championship game berth go for half of that uh, at the stadium day of the game or even less than that, you know, 250, 300 in in that neighborhood. So, you know, frankly, I think these, these people are, uh, they're, they're whale fishing is what they're doing and they're using the wrong bait. And sometimes what'll happen is you'll get, uh, companies, corporations just have guests in town. You know, they're hosting clients. Right. And they want the premium tickets. They want the premium seats. And they don't they don't really have a budget. You right. Know, they're, they're working on the company 
dime. So the guy that pushes it, that it, button is spending somebody else's. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why it's absolutely. I get why the prices are what they are, like you outlined, because a lot of times that's the market more so than it is Joe Fan. The Vegas man, Travis, Alabama, a 24 and a half point favorite over the Tennessee Volunteers. You're over under 66 and a half and your money line plus 1300 if you want to bet the underdog. So if Tennessee wins straight up, you'd, you'd take home $13 for every dollar risked and Alabama's money line, a whopping minus 5,000. So you're, uh, you, you, you bet, uh, you bet, uh, you bet a hundred dollars on uh, Alabama just to win straight up. I think they're just going to give you two dollars in profit, Travis. Not, not too appealing. No, 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 no. I mean, look, you're never going to get a great deal with the man. Okay, you're just trying to, just trying to hang in there and have a little fun. That's all you're trying to do. Moderation, no. moderation, folks. That's the key word in everything. I think 24 and a half is too much. If you ask me to just grab one of these options off the board, I think I think Tennessee plus 24 and a half is the way to go. I expect Alabama to win handily. But some of these spread, particularly with the way we've seen Alabama's defense give up chunks here and there, including the first unit now. I'm not just talking about second half garbage time. Uh, I, it's just, it's, it's too many points for me. I certainly wouldn't lay it. Let me ask you this. If you know that Hendon hooker, isn't playing, if you knew that for sure, where do you go with that? What's the Joe Milton line? Right. And what's the Hendon hooker line? Because I'm going to guess they're not exactly the same. Chase. No, I, you think the Vegas man has got it at 24 and a half to kind of middle the quarterbacks yeah, for Tennessee. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May, may, maybe nineteen and twenty-eight. My you know? only advice would be to wait yeah. as long as you possibly can, even if it's damn pregame warmups, <laughs> to see if Hendon Hooker made the trip. And again, it's not just Hendon. The Hooker, window though. stays open right up until That's right. kickoff. That's right. You know? He doesn't people, slam. He doesn't slam that window on fingers before no. kickoff. You know, no. Come, come nope. to the table, Oplente. He says, and, and, and of course, people can. People can just get on that phone, you know. Yeah, straight, that's what I'm saying. From the stadium, what technology and, is. I mean, you're not calling Rocco, yeah, over in Vestavia Hills to get down. You know, yeah. I mean, you're just hitting the the buttons on the phone, and you're and you're able to do it. So, yeah, I would either way. I would wait as po- long as I possibly could because, again. I just think it's it's a pretty I understand that Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker in terms of their skill sets are pretty similar, but you're talking about Hooker completing passes at a 20% higher clip than Joe Milton. And he's thrown a lot more passes than Joe Milton. And so, and then also Evans in this and Cade Mays. Uh this is the kind of offense that can give Alabama problems and has given Alabama problems. What I like for the Alabama defense, though, Saturday night is that it just saw Ole Miss, and Tennessee likes to go mock speed, too. I mean, they like to go as fast as Ole Miss. So that's going to be in play, but that run threat from the quarterback to go along with the running back, uh, yeah, I think that's where Alabama could have some problems. But I would say, again, they showed some progress from Florida to Ole Miss in that regard. 
only trouble was squeezing in that that money bet right before kick <laughs> or even some of that live the betting. Man will go up. The man will go up. He will go up. But beyond that, now sometimes, as as you know, and you and I both know from from being in the stadium for years covering the team, especially you, uh, when you pack 80 or 90K in those places and everybody's taking selfies and shooting video and they're yep. they're, 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 their Wi-Fi goes haywire in there sometimes. Did they put a new a tower over there, though? I don't know. Tower over there. Yeah. Near, uh, they need about seven of them near Ten Horse somewhere. <laughs> I thought this summer. I, I I haven't checked lately, but um, yeah, they they do. They desperately need amped up uh, cell service. But you're right. You know, technology can still fail you from time to time. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. Our Twitter feed, Talking Underscore Tide. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on all the apps. So check us out. Uh, also available at megaphone.com. That would be our web host. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors of the program right now quickly. Uh, going to start with a charter sponsor of the Talking Tide podcast, and that would be North River Dental Associates, 1100 Fairfax Park in Tuscaloosa. It's Dr. Jack Smalley and that great staff of dental hygienists doing a professional job for all your dental needs, all your family's dental needs as well. Doing Botox and Juvederm treatments over at North River Dental as well. If you'd like to clean up those facial features a little bit, they can take care of you in that regard. And of course, the dentistry just cannot be beaten whether it's pediatric dentistry for your children, laser dentistry, porcelain veneers, endodontics, dentures, they do it all. They've got those teeth whitening services that people like a great deal as well. And on a routine cleaning, and you got to get in there a couple times a year for that, uh, you're going to be in and out of that chair in less than an hour. That's door to door, including the wait uh, over at North River Dental Associates. Give them a call at 752 3506 or visit NorthRiverDentist.com for an appointment. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, right next door to our good friends at Southern Ale House. Nice one-two punch for you there, just across the river from the University of Alabama. You see the Roll Tide treats, the Alabama-themed treats. Well, you know what they got this week? For Tennessee week, they got the chocolate cigars. So if you want to keep mm. up with the tradition and assuming Alabama makes it 15 in a row over the Vols, maybe a Swisher Sweet isn't, just isn't your thing. Well, the chocolate cigars there at Peter Brook Chocolatier. And with the chocolate cigars, everybody can partake in the tradition. Kids, the wife, you, the wife if it's whatever. You can do it at Peterbrook Chocolatier with those chocolate cigars for Tennessee week this week, good bread. Those chocolate cigars are a little easier on the lungs, too. Yeah, man. yeah, that after, and that morning after breath <laughs> is a little better, you know. I remember the first time I tried a cigar, probably 16 years old or so. I thought, yeah, this isn't bad. And I woke up the next morning, and I it was like, who's in bed with me? You yeah, know? It, it's, it was so bad. 
it was rough for me the first time. I, I I'm not big into them. I, I know a couple people that like them. Oh, yeah. it, and you know what? The secondhand smoke never has bothered me. I'm fine with being around somebody who it smells who's, like the ballpark to me. Sure. You know? But uh it's just it's not for me. Cigar not shops me. everywhere now, man. There's yeah, a but thing. the chocolate ones I can go for. Yeah. Uh, easy on you. Go easy. All right. Also want to tell you about our corporate sponsor as well, and that would be DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, a new deal over at DraftKings. Go to the app, register, put in that promo code TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if you do, you'll get $200 in free bets over at DraftKings. Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NFL game, you'll get $200 in free bets. Got to use that promo code once again, TPPN, at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. So if you'd like to take a swing at the aforementioned man, (laughs) DraftKings is absolutely the way to do it. And Travis, we're going to close things out here uh, talking about really just one game, maybe two, elsewhere in the Southeastern Conference. Kind of a dud SEC schedule, if you ask me, on the whole uh, this particular week. Uh, but LSU on the road at Ole Miss, definitely some intrigue there, starting with Ed O, uh, who, as we now know, ha- is the deposed coach of LSU. Lame Duck, essentially, is going to finish out the season, and then he will be done coaching against – uh, his his former club, the Ole Miss Rebels. Yeah, I think CBS went with the uh, potential for entertainment and certainly storylines. I think they had already taken this game before it was widely known that Ed Ogeron was out at the end of the season. But it could be, again, look at last year's game between these two. Absolute shootout in Baton Rouge. Kayshawn Butte went for over 300 receiving yards, unfortunately, he won't be a part of this year's matchup for the LSU wide receiver core. He's out with an injury. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll go Ole Miss at home. Although, boy, it seems like uh, LSU got that counterplay figured out on offense because Ty Davis-Price ran it and ran it and ran it some more against the Florida Gators last Saturday. Yeah, an absolute turnaround in terms of rushing offense for LSU. They They entered that game very near the bottom of the entire FBS in rushing yards per game. I mean, it's just been a pitiful uh, rushing attack for LSU this season. And then you blink your eye, they take on the Gators, who you'd think would be able to handle, you know, wouldn't have a a problem at all stopping what we'd seen to date from LSU's running game. And uh, the price kid just goes bananas on them. I think it's a school record, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I say I like Ole Miss, but hell – Lane was talking earlier in the week like Matt Corral's status is up in the air. Gee, I wonder why. He only had 30 carries. What was that Tennessee. about? Well, look, Matt Corral, a lot of times it's Matt Corral mm-hmm. making that choice. And so um, he's got to be a little smarter. There's no doubt about it. But 195 rushing yards on 30 carries, impressive. But the shelf life on that. Typically, mm. in a league like the Southeastern Conference, probably not going to be that good, you know? Yeah, it's not, it's not CUSA, you know? No. That kind of 
that kind of workload. South Carolina at Texas A&M. Kind of lukewarm interest in that one, Travis. We've barely talked about South Carolina all season. Kind of been of a rough go for Shane Beamer his first year uh, leading that program. And really, you know, you mentioned a little earlier in the program what a rough year it's been for Missouri. Been a really rough year for Vanderbilt. There, the the bottom of that East division is uh, there, there, there's some there's some get right games over there. <laughs> You know, but I will give Shane Beamer this. For the most part, so far, they've beaten the teams you would think they should beat. Um, now, they've got an injury again at quarterback Luke Doty. Their starter has re-injured his foot. So, Zeb Nolan, the former grad assistant at 24 years old, came in late to save South Carolina against Vanderbilt last Saturday night. Looks like he's going to get another start down in College Station. So, Looks like a real opportunity for AM to sustain the after effect from the win over Alabama. Went to Missouri last weekend, ran for a hundred thousand yards, which you expected them to do against that Missouri defense, and head back home and get a very winnable game against another SEC Eastern Division opponent. That is going to wrap things up for the Talking Tide podcast. Glad to have you along with us. Be sure to join us this weekend. Travis and I will reconvene and take a look back at Alabama's home game against the Tennessee Volunteers. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you this weekend on Talking Tide.